welcome to the Resourced Woman Podcast, where we are weaving story and wisdom in and around what it is to be connected to self and the earth by being resourced within. I am Bryony Montgomery, mama of four, body worker, coach, healer, teacher, writer, and founder of The Mother Way, a pathway of healing I created for women who are ready to activate their power by healing their mother wound, personally, culturally, and globally, resourcing themselves within and deeply rooting themselves in belonging. Welcome to this episode of the Resourceful Podcast. I'm going to um, unpack today a really um, quite confronting but I find uh, really juicy and deep um, archetype or area uh, for women and men too because it relates to both men and women and particularly now uh, in the in the world with what's happening and uh, unpacking um, you know globally a lot of um, situations or events or issues or, um, you know, cultural mindset, government mindset, even government governance in and around um, uh, the acceptance and inclusivity of minority groups and and that idea of um, celebrating sameness and difference as well. Today I'm going to talk to you about uh, the death mother archetype Um, and this archetype was first uh, coined um, by Marion Woodman and um, there is a a fantastic interview with Daniela uh, Safe uh, back back in 2009 where they both sit down and unpack this this archetype, the death mother archetype and... um, I've, I f- have found this archetype uh, when I first uh, came across uh, this interview and, 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 this, and this archetype and this work, um, almost like a, uh, a relief, a shock initially, but a relief. Because for so long um, I'd been working on the mother wound, uh, my own mother wound in particular, even though at the time when I was working on the mother wound back in um, back in 2001 when I began on my journey, a little bit before that, but um, particularly when my mother died in 2001, um, the language in and around what this wounding was, was had not yet really formed. I knew that I was... Uh, immersed in something that was quite revolutionary uh, for me and quite revolutionary for other women around me as well because I could see that in um, the way and I can see that now the women that um, are attracted to the work that I do and attracted to listening uh, to me or wanting to be a part of my community uh, that this that the journey that I was on that I began um, after my mother died was so potent and powerful uh, that um, other women um, around me had a really um, deep, uh, powerful uh, connection with with that journey, um, with having a relationship with their own mother uh, that um, the mother had either passed uh, or was no longer a part of the of the woman's life of the daughter's life. Uh, that they, you know, the relationship between the mother and the daughter had been strained for some time. 
uh, and this sense of just not feeling held and supported by the mother, um, you know, at any particular time in their life or, at, or in a certain period of their life. And and almost like, um, you know, even speaking to women now and sharing my story and working with women, that women get to a point that they kind of resign to the fact that their mother's not going to change or have not provided for them uh, what they need. And they almost resign like in, a, an, in an, like an inner sigh within themselves and they just settle uh, into a rhythm or a pattern with their mother if their mother's alive or if their mother's passed. They, they, they just fall into a pattern of relating to either their mother or um, mother symbols uh, um, around them or relationships with other women who represent uh, that mother aspect for them. They, they kind of um, are just resigned to that it, it was what it was and you know, we can just leave it in the past and move on. And the thing with uh, when we're looking at the the mother wound and uh, particularly death mother energy, uh, in my experience, um, it's a really great sadness I feel when a woman resigns and just takes that deep inner sigh and just say it's not going to get any better from here. Um, And they start to live in that scarcity mindset and they just live off the scraps of what they're being fed or given by their own mother or the women around them. Because you have to to remember that... um, that the mother's your relationship with your mother dictates every relationship that you have in every capacity in your life. It dictates all the relationships that you have with your um, uh, with your friends, with other women, um, with other family members, with your children, with your partner, uh, with men, with culture, with community. It really is a measuring stick for so many areas uh, in relate relationship areas in your life and remain so for the rest of your life and then becomes a patterning an ancestral patterning that's passed down from the generations so with this this um, settling for well I've got what I've got I should just be happy with what I've got um, is you know a great sadness for me because the potentiality of having a really fulfilling and deep deeply um connected relationship with yourself is inhibited by the fact that you settle for the relationship that you have with your mother in present tense or the past. And it's not that I'm talking uh, or sharing that uh, if you don't get what you need from your mother that you move on and you cut her out of your life and have nothing to do with her. That's not what what I'm um, uh, sharing at all. It's more about cultivating within yourself that I, you know, connecting with that inner mother, that archetypal inner mother um, who um, helps you to regulate and self-care and um, helps you to connect with those parts of yourself where you can actually access some really uh, amazing gifts and treasures that are already inside you that your own mother or the relationship with your own mother had tried to shape exile or extinguishing you and so it's really about coming back into yourself and starting to uh, look at where where you feel that you need extra support and um, where you can shine more light from yourself in your own life and where you can align and in and get really clear with your intentions of who you are and what you want to bring into the world and starting to do that 
self-growth, that inner work, you know, whether your mother's alive or not, you can still have a relationship with her, but you can really start to move and shift in and around that relationship by really creating uh, a different relationship with yourself and understanding that your mother, of course, could only did what she could do because, you know, that's all she knew at the time. But that doesn't mean uh, that you don't deserve better now. And it doesn't mean you need to go into these deep, long and, and, and um, um, deep, long discussions with your own mother and, and try to fix a relationship uh, externally. It's more about going internally and fixing the relationship uh, that the, the, the fractures in the relationship and the disappointments um, and tending to the wounds uh, within yourself, the mother wound within yourself, in order to start to bring through a more rich, um, joyful um, and innately, um, wo- like who you are innately woven into your everyday. So the reason I want to talk about death mother um, is because the death mother um, archetype, which I found um, really juicy, and you know, after the initial shock, was like was was like a relief as well for me, because what I could start to see and normalise is this um, deconstruct this idealise and ideal way of being mother and woman, and through the death mother energy, which I want to say um, we all carry. We all carry in some capacity. We all have a thread or an element of this energy because we are um, raised in a death mother culture and our men also too um, have a relationship with the death mother culture as well as their, their own their own mothers which um, often have, you know, which often have a, a death mother thread to them as well. We are... We all carry this wounding within us. We all carry this this archetypal aspect within who we are as women and mothers. And the definition of death mother um, is that um, the child is born, the, the mother sees the child being born as um, a way of um, serving, serving the mother. So the child is of service uh, to the mother, uh, you know, when the child is born, and this can come out in all different, um, in all different ways. Um, it can be that, um, you know, a, a death mother energy could be that, um, you know, the mother who longs for that child and really focus her energy intention on becoming a mother, and then that child is born. The expectation of the mother's um, idealized way of becoming a mother and and um, and her longing to become a mother can actually be transferred onto the child where the child is then seen um, as um, having to serve that vision like becoming uh, fulfilling that vision for the mother who'd long to be the woman who longed to become the mother um, as well as it can be the, the the woman who didn't want the child but had it anyway um, can also be um, the child being born into a family where there's a lot of um, um, sexism and there's a lot of misogyny and violence in the family as well and the child will need to be shaped and serve that um, patterning or that structure um, and fit into that structure. So it's like a, a, a giving way of who that child is innately in order to fit into the structure of the primary of the caregiver, which is generally um, the mother, it can also be that the mother's neglectful 
um, that she may have wanted a child, but then life ex- ha- she's had the child, then life experience or relationships around her um, with her partner or with her own family, or there's been a grief or there's been an experience or a situation that has uh, created um, a, um, a kink in the, in the connection. Uh, to her child where she's not been able to connect and and um, she, you know, becomes neglectful or, you know, kind of pushes the child away, uh, as well as the patterning, you know, when you become a mother, um, the patterning of your own parent, um, parental relationship and family relationship, as well as even the trauma or um, things that you've endured abuse in that category as well things that you've endured as a as a young as a young child or a young woman and then you have a baby and that all comes up to the surface and and that doesn't um there's no place for you to unpack that or you have no supports and you just find yourself in in a patterning of behavior that um where you need the child to become uh you know uh, you know uh, behave in certain ways, do certain things um, in and around p- potentially protecting the child from the same thing that you endured or just so you can actually adapt and adjust to motherhood yourself. The death mother energy can be present and triggered uh, just through the cult that we're in right now. So if you, you know, the governance of um, countries and, and globally, our governments and our culture is set up uh, to shape women. Uh, and men in a particular way to fit into an idealized and idolized way of living. So that's the death mother energy. You know, she that she wants you to conform, the child to conform and shape itself to fit in with the family dynamic, to fit in with her. So uh, and it's it's very uh, children are very um, they're very adaptable and they will shape and move themselves. It's, it's a survival instinct as well. They will shape and move themselves to fit in with the family structure and, of course, to fit in with their mother who grew who grew that baby, who grew that child in her womb space. So that child is so intimately connected to the mother that the, the bonding with the mother, the connection with the mother in that first stage of that child's um, development and life is just so crucial uh, for both the mother and the child. So every one of us has a relationship with this energy, has a relationship with the death mother energy, whether it's through the culture, whether it's through our own family, whether it's through our relationship with our mother, whether it's even through our relationship with our partners and our relationship with our own children. Um, and I wanted to speak about death mother energy because I wanted to spell a lot of, you know, as as women and 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 men even as well in our culture where so many things that we don't talk about there's so many um, uncomfortable conversations or painful places that we don't want to share that we feel a lot of shame around or fear or guilt or resentment like really big emotions and we don't really know what to do with how we're feeling and so uh, I wanted to unpack this here with you because I wanted to dispel um, the myths in and around what it is to, um, you know, to walk with this energy and to be a part and to carry a thread of this, of the death mother energy and not to be afraid of that aspect of who we are or even of the culture because once you're afraid of 
of anything, you immediately give it power. And how we can start to move with these shadow aspects of um, mothering or being a woman or in the culture or even being in relationship and, and part of uh, cl- uh, claiming and connecting with our resources within is going into the shadow and doing the work that we're, we're, that can be quite confronting to do. And once we build a relationship with those shadow side or those, those places that we don't want to talk about or we don't want to share or we don't want to recognize or acknowledge, uh, then those places continue to hold a power over us. And when we do go into those places, what we find is that we can alchemize and we can really use them as medicine in how to become fully uh, and innately more of ourselves, um, understand who we are, our pathway, our patterning, our, our ancestral um, our ancestral stories and ancestral lineage. Uh, we can become, uh, we can take down those idealized and idolized ways of living and we can deconstruct that to be, you know, to be um, accepted, accepting ourselves who we are uh, when we're, you know, unique, who we are as unique beings and celebrate our differences and sameness as well. Uh, so the death mother energy is that as a portal into uh, unpacking um, that pain and that um, you know feeling of disconnection that we have with with ourselves through the relationship uh, that with with our own mother. And when I talk about um, the mother, you know, when we go into um, you know a a dialogue and we start to reflect on our own relationship with our mother, you know, I want to speak to the fact that it is can be really painful, it can be really difficult, it can feel like you're dishonouring dishonoring your mother, uh, dishonouring your family. But when we start to claim our power and who we are innately within and our resources, uh, then we need to confront those parts in ourselves uh, and those relationships that have contributed or well, they've all contributed to where you are right now, you know, as part of your story. And to reject one part of your story is to reject one part of yourself. So to even reject one relationship along that line that that didn't um, support you or nourish you in the ways that you had expected it to or the ways that um, you needed it to is to reject a, a part of yourself. And so when we start to unpack and look at our mother wound and look at death mother energy, we're bringing, we're actually opening the door to allow uh, the cultivation of self-compassion um, and self-love and um, acceptance and belonging and uh, the gifts of who we are, the celebration of our story and, and where we've come from and where we're wanting to go um, and, and what we're wanting to bring with us. So the death mother archetype, um, as I mentioned before, when the child is born, the child is filling some kind of gap within the mother. Um, and the, the child sometimes is, is consciously born to, f- to fill that gap. Uh, and then in that, uh, in that journey... Um, and that expectation that's placed on the child to fulfill that gap, that's the, that's that death mother energy. So the child is born into an expectation of that it has to meet some sort of, um, it has to meet the expectations of the mother or the father or the community around them. 
And because they're so malleable and adaptable children, they will do that. And so whatever they you know, innately have within themselves, it doesn't fit into that, um, into that expectation, is cut away, um, is exiled, is pushed away. So a great, in, a great um, way I like to describe this is um, the idea that, you know, children should be seen and not heard. And I, I grew up in a time that that was, um, that was just, that's what the culture had set and that's what my family were very invested in. And so big emotions and emotions that weren't controllable were, um, you know, forced forced out of me, forced out of children um, and sometimes um, smacked or shamed or threatened out of children or blackmailed out of children, which happened to me quite often. Um, because they're not, because the child cannot be controlled, they're not living up to that idealised that expectation that was set when the child was born or this kind of image of what the child should be, which reflects on the image of what the family should look like, which reflects on the image of what the mother and the father should look like. So everybody is kind of invested in this image of what the family unit looks like. Um, And so in that, as a very young child, I learnt um, very quickly um, though I was still a very difficult child, very quickly to be quiet about certain things, to hold my big emotions in, um, to not uh, be always honest with my with my mother and father because of fear of being punished or fear of getting it wrong, uh, fear of making a mistake, uh, fear of not feeling like I fitted into the family. And so I became the... I've conformed and modelled myself on what I thought was the good girl. And so I let go, I cut away, I pushed away a lot of um, really unique and integral aspects of who I was as um, as Bryony, uh, a lot of gifts, a lot of um, intuitive insights and creativity and um and my center of power and and learning how to say no, what my boundaries were and my values and and who I was, you know, as as a girl, as a woman, and I pushed them through my whole childhood. I pushed them down uh, right into the deepest parts of myself, and some of them I cut away um, in order to fit in with this expectation and this praising that I was a good girl. Like I wanted to be loved by my family. I wanted to be seen as a valued member of um, my, my family. I wanted my parents to be proud of me, which is a very normal uh, longing for a child, even an adult, uh, to still feel that at times. Uh, and so in that process, you know, I couldn't actually be myself so I had to fashion a briny that was uh, not innate but learnt in order to fulfil the needs and fulfil the gap within my that my the expectation my mother had set and my father had set. So I spent all of my youth, you know, conforming and letting go and cutting away and. Uh, you know, things came tumbling down at that at a point, at, you know, in my mid-teens where I started to think that there was something wrong with this way of living. I didn't feel myself. And so there was a lot of rebelling that happened in and around um, my teenage years. It continued right through uh, until um, my mother's death uh, in 2001. So what I 
see now is when I look back at that time was that death mother energy was very prevalent, um, not just from my mother and father, but also from my father's family, also from my mother's family. Uh, and even my mother's family who have, um, uh, you know, a long history with alcoholism and, um, you know, not so great dealings with the law and things like that, uh, that um, even there, there's a conforming in that too. You know, I now don't uh, drink, um, uh, you know, I drink occasionally, but made an active choice um, after my mother died in 2001 to not drink at all. But to be with that family, the expectation there is to drink. So, um, you know, again, there's that death mother energy coming in that places that expectation that you need to be a certain way to fit in with the with the community, that you can't just go along to something and not drink because you're kind of seen as really obscure or there's something wrong with you. Um, so that death mother energy is present in there too with um, toxic or abusive um, or addiction-prone um, cultures and families who need everybody to conform and everybody to be part and playing their part in this death mother energy. So it normalizes, normalizes this instead of making it abnormal. So the death mother is seen um, as a cold, fierce, violent and corrosive power. Um, she is rampant, you know, in the culture um, globally and she, you know, if you can picture, um, and the mythology of Medusa is brought a lot into um, death mother um, energy, and I'll talk a little bit about that soon. Um, but the death mother's gaze is like that Medusa gaze. It kind of freezes you, you know, that that um, that look that your mother can sometimes have if, if you have a death mother or someone that you know that has that death mother energy. Um, and it's very controlling and it wields power over you. It, it like it freezes you. That gaze freezes you in your in your tracks. You can feel frozen on the inside, and this fear and that fight and flight or anxiety kind of starts to rise, or discomfort, sickness in your in your tummy, um, and it kind of you feel like you collapse in it. Um, that there's nothing you can say or do that you need to move you know, and adjust what you're going to do for your next step because of the death mother's gaze. And it it feels like that life has drained out of you and um, you, you kind of sink into this, this, um, this darkness within. You feel really disconnected with who you are. Um, and you have this overwhelming sense that you need to get away as quickly as possible, um, which I kind of see um, as a state of, you know, uh, all that fight or flight. But um, in extreme cases with death mother energy, it can be that you um, yearn for death or it's like a death that happens on the inside. Um, and eventually down the track, um, the this has really – the death mother energy – unless alchemalized and acknowledged and healed um, and accepted, you know, in a way that allows you to walk with the energy uh, consciously and intentionally, it can really actually have a very um, uh, catastrophic and um, a um, 
disabling um, impact on you later on in life. So what the death mother kills um, or pushes away inside the child is, um, you know, the the creativity that you have, um, the passion and desires and dreams and the unique blueprint of who you who you are, the longing that you have inside you, you know, that was it's probably even there in the womb. I would imagine that that flame, that internal flame, that's burning um, bright inside you. Like um, Clarissa Pincola Estes says in uh, Warming the Stone Child, that it's a mother's role to keep that fire burning within the child um, until the child is old enough to actually become the caretaker of their own inner fire. And so the death mother, I see, does extinguish that fire or um, reduces it to embers. And so that fire within the child is not burning as brightly and as vibrantly as it um, as it could um, and, and as it could have done um, or it was when the child was born and I do see this a lot in and around um, not just with children but with adults as well that there's a hollowing that happens a hollowing out um, that happens as you grow older when you've been under under the care of a death mother or death mother energy has been um, prevalent in your family that um you know, uh, I even see it like really young kids, like even at three, it's really, really sad um, that the the culture and the parents are all in good intention, all with, with good intention, um, try to guide the child and, and shape the child in a way to keep the child, um, you know, happy and surviving and um, actively part of life and doing all the right things, meeting all the right milestones that there's a light that goes out in that in the in the eyes of the child and um you know and and you can see it in adults too like that sparkle is gone that there's a hollowing like what i call hollowing out where the person grows knows who they are and then that slowly um cut away from them until they don't know who they are anymore and they're just living from day to day in a very um two-dimensional or very cardboard way of living their life that there's something missing that 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 fire that was burning inside them at the time that they were born uh is extinguished or simmering you know just in 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 an ember ember state and um, if that child is um is lucky enough they can have that one adult or that or that person that sees a light in them and that encourages them to reconnect with it um, and if they don't um, then they can spend the rest of their life even into adulthood searching for that one thing that where they feel would fulfill them they just feel this a uh, part of the missing until they rediscover this internal flame and they light it for themselves which can be really um it's self-growth work and can take a lot, can take a whole person's life. Um, and some some adults, some people never even um, take that take that journey or that voyage to to discover who they are and and face their fears and heal their past and reclaim their story and who they are and and reignite that internal flame. So as the child gets um, older, um, with under the death mother energy, um, the child is flame is extinguished, and the child is still being shaped by the death mother energy. Um, and as the child grows, what they tend, what they start to do, moving into adulthood, uh, and like that is teenage years, 
they start to internalize the death mother, the death mother's voice. So if you've had a death mother uh, or a death mother energy in your family, um, and the, and that particular person or group of people are no longer alive, you don't need a death mother in your life to be internalizing the death mother's voice. You will take on that death mother energy. You will take on that the voice of the death mother. That that cold and wielding stare that um, that she has when when you've done something wrong or something that she doesn't approve of. And it gets lodged in the cells in the body. So it's like you you learn to actually, your body starts to turn on itself. Your energy, your mind, your spirit starts to turn, um, turn on you as like in a critical way. So that voice, when you, an internalized death mother voice as you're growing, sounds like, um, you know, you uh, when you've got an idea or or a longing to do something or a creative project you want to sink into or uh, you know a job that you want to do or or you want to join a community um, a community space and contribute in in some kind of way or connect with people or a relationship um, or even having your own children um, or taking a risk in particular areas of your life that the internalized death mother voice will come through as a very critical voice that will tell you that you can't do that, that who do you think you are, that you don't have the capacity or the skills to do that, that you're going to fail, that you're going to look like a fool, that um, no one's going to believe you, that you're not as good as you think you are or that you don't know enough. And it really it stifles our growth and imprints in the cells in the body and where we start to develop this um, this deep, fear and hopelessness um, and loss of connection with life and joy and uh, who we are and other people and and community and our life force within us just starts to uh, leak leak out of our bodies and the body eventually turns on itself so that kind of negativity and fear and criticism held in the cellular structure of the body turns into disease and the body starts to turn on itself and it's it's really sad because with that um, internalized death mother voice it's like a very slow and prolonged death uh, journey towards death that you put yourself on so um, it, it you start to the cells uh, you know you start to develop you know, conditions or diseases or um, ways of living that really inhibit you from actually enjoying life, Um, mental health issues that really inhibit you from really fulfilling and stepping into your power. And it's like a slow march towards your own death. And it's like the internalized death mother is willing you all along the way, every step that you take uh, to diminish who you are, to to everything around you confirms internally and around you confirms that you're not worthy, that you're worthless, uh, and so you slowly get diminished, and you and your body uh, turns on itself and creates disease in the body, and disease can come through the physiology of disease, but it also be an imbalance in the body as well. 
an adult child of a death mother and internalized um, that internalized death mother voice um, energy too can also um, you can also be prone to um, addictions as well um, a fear and sense of loss and belonging within you don't know where you belong within um, you can be using food and substances to battle uh, the deep unconscious belief that you are not loved um, and that that part of you wants to die uh, and that 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 voice continues to tell you that you're not enough you're unworthy you're unlovable and even that impacts your relationships your intimate relationships and your relationships with your own children and this is an inherited uh, wounding inherited thread that is very much um, in the same in the same area of the mother wound, it's like a branch off the mother wound, uh, but it is an inherited pattern that goes down through the line uh, and will not be healed or um, will continue until someone um, does the work to fix it and heal it and recognize it and start to normalize um, this energy um, of the death mother. We've we've we as women and as a culture we expect mothers women when they become mothers to just innately love their child um, but it's actually a skill it's not something innate in women to just uh, connect and love their child there's this there's this primal sense of course that you need to care for this baby that's just come that you've just birthed from your body um, but that love is something that's developed over time and that connection with the baby is also developed over time and it has influenced by so many external um, factors like whether the mother uh, and the child feel safe in their environment, uh, in the family, if they've got the support, the nourishment, the self-care for the mother, uh, the priority for the mother to get, um, you know, to, to ease into her role as mother. And even the expectation that women are going to be this particular type of mother who's always going to be patient and loving and kind and bake and do all the housework and look after her husband and, you know, go out to work and she's juggling all these balls. And it even even feels, you know, even feeds into that idea, that super mother um, image, which is just such an awful uh uh, misogynistic um, image that portrays women as something other than human, um, as well as that women can have it all, which is another, you know, another really violent and unattainable image that projects that um, if you don't have it all, then there's something wrong with you. Women can't have it all. Uh, women um, are not superheroes, they're not super mums, they're human and they make mistakes and they are learning and growing just like everybody else. Um, and so that expectation that women have it all sorted and that we should continue to strive for this idealised way um, that the culture sets and even our partners and family set is just... Um, so destructive uh, and it does it's that that's the death mother energy as well and that can feed and trigger death mother energy in a woman when we are um, mothers um, this idea that we know what our baby wants or what our children need at any one time is just also an image an expectation that is really unrealistic. Um, you grow with your child. Um, you grow as a mother, uh, and we make and growth can only happen if we make mistakes. And so, 
uh, in the idealized way that the mother has everything sorted, has it all. She's super mom. She's, you know, this earth mother. She's making all these amazing decisions for her family and she's got this everything's mapped out really perfectly, picture perfect, Hollywood perfect, culture perfect. Um, And the mother is often dying on the inside and that's death mother energy as well. The mother might start to feel, you know, there's comparison, judgment, competition. She's measuring herself up to other women. And that's that's a pathway of destruction for this mother to really move into her own role as mother in her own unique and innate ways. And we have so many judgments and expectations of how women should be and how mothers should be and how mothers should mother. And it's just enough, you know, for the mother to feel that she is um, just fine the way she is, you know, that the mistakes that she makes um, is part of that rich journey with the child and that she's not perfect. Perfection doesn't even exist and that she is, um, that that it's better for the child to have a mother who's human and uh, can relate to to, um, her child through, um, compassion through mistakes, through that which which encourage resilience and persistence, and all those examples that you're wanting your child to learn from. That that there's not that pedestal image or that pedestal mentality that the parents or the mother is superior to the child. That the mother. Um, is encouraged to be herself, to find out who she is as a mother, to hook into her resources within her intuition, her creativity, uh, to ride her mis- her, the mistakes that she makes, she makes with reverence and grace in support um, and in celebration um, with the community around her, that we don't need to hide as mothers and women uh, in the corner because we've done something or said something or not been the best that we've thought that we could be or that we'd hope that we could be uh, when our children are born or even in our relationships. Um, you know, opening up that dialogue and and cultivating that listening with other women and um, hearing their experiences and celebrating them and supporting them with what they're needing right now instead of judging them and comparing and then gossiping and and um you know and really using that as a as a weapon against the woman or or to feed your own death mother energy um so you can you know continue on that um that that cycle that when we start to humanize mothers and women um and see them as um you know, unique expressions that bring you know, a, a huge, everyone brings like this amazing um, energy and essence and substance and gifts and treasures into life um, through our own experience, uh, that the mistakes that are made along the way, that it's okay and that there can be a really beautiful time for growth and learning for both yourself, your family and your child. And that this idea that the good enough mother is is okay, you know, that we don't have to be these outstanding, uh, you know, award-winning mothers or women, that we just being ourselves is is celebratory in itself. So the child of um, a death mother often grows up hypervigilant 
and freezing when her mother looks at her and collapsing and feeling paralyzed uh, within, which is often referred to um, that, that, like the Medusa turning you to stone. Um, and so Medusa was born um, a Gorgon. She was one of three daughters. Her father was Zeus and she was a, a beautiful girl in both looks and personality. As she grew, many gods wanted to marry her, but it was Poseidon who asked her relentlessly, to which she refused. So Poseidon kidnapped her and took her to Athena's temple, where it is said that he seduced or raped her. There's varying um, stories in and around that event. Um, and Athena, upon hearing what um, what had happened in her sacred temple, blamed the Gorgon and cursed her to become Medusa, to be a hideous. Uh, to be hideous and with a stare that could that, that could turn people to stone. Medusa, um, the mythology does go on, but as in a nutshell, she's eventually killed. Um, she's beheaded by Perseus, who is actually helped by Athena in her death because Athena tells per- Perseus how to kill um, how to kill Medusa. And what's really interesting about this mythology and story is that. Um, for our current times, is that Athena is is a representation of that aspect of ourselves or even in the culture as being her father's most loyal daughter. She's the goddess of war and strategy and wisdom um, and she's that good girl image um, that I was just talking about before. And it's interesting because she does not punish Poseidon because Poseidon kidnaps the Gorgon uh, and... Uh, seduces or rapes her in her temple so it's actually really not it's not Medusa's fault that um, this situation has happened but Athena blames um, blames Medusa and she becomes jealous of Medusa that how can she desecrate my sacred temple like that and she punishes she punishes her to become become Medusa and become this hideous um, um, this hideous creature that actually uh, with one stare, you know, kills, turns people to stone. Um, so as Athena, she, you know, she is the representation of the patriarchy's daughter and the representation of us within ourselves of wanting to be the good girl, of wanting to be accepted by the father and um, the ways that we can be jealous of the women who are outside of that box, outside of uh, that that conditioning and living their life in full sensuality, in full... Um, you know, an innateness to who they are and even those aspects within ourselves as a part of ourselves who that's creative and that's sensual and, and joyful and uh, likes to be pleasured or in, in a state of pleasure and that internal struggle that we have between conforming and being free in that state of um, our sexuality and sensuality. And so what I love about this mythology um, with Medusa is that Medusa is a victim in this um, in in this uh, in in this story, and she's punished um, for trusting in herself and um, saying no to Poseidon. She's actually punished, and um, it's it's really sad that she's beheaded um, at the end by by the end of her life by Perseus. Um, because when we all have that, we've all had that moment. Um, well, I've had that moment. Maybe you haven't, um, where we have just lost our 
shit. And it could be with our children, could be with our partners, could be with someone else, that we've just absolutely become this aspect of the Medusa, that our, our stare has penetrated someone else and they're a little bit wobbly or wanting to run away, um, that this Medusa um, mythology, this this uh, the energy of Medusa, we inhabit, um, we, you know, comes into our body, we, we, um, we adopt, we, we move from that place and we start to then, you know, become this death mother energy. And generally when we're in that state of that, that Medusa state or, or, or coming from that death mother energy there generally is a pretty good reason for it, to be honest. Um, it could be something that's been triggered from a long time ago. It could be that someone has done you wrong. It could be that um, you're trying to protect yourself and your family um, or, an, or an idea or you could feel threatened. So there's generally some, there is generally a really good reason why you step into your Medusa or you bring your Medusa through. And we're often in the culture, you know, any woman who's um, un- like not controlled and not the good girl is seen as something bad and other than. Uh, and when we're when we are working with death mother energy and working with ourselves and um, exploring our shadow aspects and our shame and our anger, um, our fear and our grief um, and like trauma and abuse from our childhood, things we don't we feel uncomfortable in talking about that that stuff that freezes us from the inside uh, like the death mother's um, gaze does that when we start to move closer to those medusa aspects within ourselves to those shadow then we can start to bring self-compassion and love and we can we can start to work to alchemize and bring medicine through the storyline in what that situation or relationship or experience has brought to us and you can continue and should continue really to unpack that because it's not a one one uh, journey heals all it's really an unfolding and unpacking that takes you over your uh, entire lifetime and if you believe lifetimes uh, to unpack and to alchemize and to use it in a way to uh, with self self-growth and acceptance and compassion and so when we start to actually do that within ourselves and we start to bring compassion to our own Medusa, um, then we can start to bring compassion and understanding to um, the parts uh, around us in our community and culture and globally where that energy of Medusa is so prevalent and present and and stop being, um, you know, stop investing in that Athena image of being the good girl that women have a right uh, and are very, you know, um, they have a... They, have a right and should be welcome to express those big emotions and and little girls too, little boys as well, that they have a right to express those big emotions like anger and grief and sadness and frustration and and fury and um, uh, anger and all of those big emotions that we tell them that are not desirable or that we shouldn't do that as women or mothers or little girls because that's not that's not acceptable behavior that when we start to get down into the mix and the grub and the um, the hideousness of Medusa we start to get down in relationship to the hideousness that's inside us as well and we all have that death mother energy we all have that hideousness inside of us and when we start to actually bring love and light and 
acceptance and compassion to that aspect of ourselves that we can't look at, that freezes us from the inside out, that feels hideous or looks hideous or or other people around us could turn away from. It is so empowering and extraordinary liberating to step into that space to allow that to be seen heard and validated for yourself which your mother should have done when she when you were small but she didn't do so bring in that um, relationship with yourself that you can hold yourself and love yourself even more when you're exploring those outer areas or that hideousness within that shadow within and starting to bring self-love and self-compassion to that and humanizing all those parts of ourselves is really alchemizing and bringing us into our full power uh, where there's nothing in who we are that's going to hurt us or keep us in that frozen state that we we have been trapped in with the death mother energy that we can start to view things in their truth and in their entirety instead of in sections that we can start to accept women and other people for who they are, that we can move in the culture uh, in a more grounded and rooted sense of power and know what step to take next, that we can work in our relationships in a way that's real, authentic and whole, uh, that we can actually work with ourselves in a real, authentic and whole way, but most importantly, that we can raise children in a real um, and um, alchemized way where the child is seeing an example set of, yes, there's death mother energy. Yes, we're raised in a death mother culture. Yes, my mother never gave me what I needed. Yes, my father never gave me what I needed, but I'm giving myself what I need now and I'm going to make monumental mistakes along the way. But those mistakes I'm going to celebrate by picking myself up, trying again and actually giving myself a, a, a fantastic, you know, huge big hug and heartfelt celebration that I actually gave it a go. Uh, so when we're moving, you know, with that, then our children see that example and they can see a humanized uh, version of what it is to be mother and father and living in this um, culture Um under the umbrella of the mother wound and and really influenced by the death mother, uh, we can start to see that um, it is not idealized and an ideal way to live, that you create your own life, you create your own story, you uh, can build an incredible, incredibly rich life through um, um uh, situations and relationships and experiences that are not ideal, that are not okay, and you can still come out the other end even more uh, empowered and like the phoenix rising, um, that you can actually move into a more embodied and powerful state in who you are. Uh, alongside the death mother, knowing that she's an integral and really important part of who you are and how you are as woman and mother and how um, you move in your relationships. So when that shadow rises or that shadow there is, you know, can be sometimes they're quite predominantly walking, you're walking shoulder to shoulder uh, and in time you're actually walking with that shadow as a part of your everyday. And that is really, really powerful because that's the stuff um, uh, that's the stuff that you, when you start to get into it, that makes you um, much more wild and um and free and empowered and resourced within that there is no outside influence that is going to 
It might, they may shake and may shake you, but it won't get you off course. You know the next step. You know who you are. You know your shadow. Uh, you're not seeking validation outside of yourself. You're not seeking to reconcile a relationship with your mother that may never be reconciled. You're not living in the past and longing for that mother role or that mother figure to tell you and validate you for who you are. You are doing that. You are connected with your archetypal inner mother, your sovereign self, and you are doing that every day uh, as you are walking with the shadow of yourself, as you're accepting and bringing self-compassion and love to um, the death mother energy in and around you and in your ancestral patterning and lineage. The um, death mother uh, stuff is really, really so juicy and I could continue to go on um, about the death mother energy and um, but we are running out of time um, and I do a lot of this work, I unpack a lot of this work in my one-on-one um, sessions with clients and students as well as on the mother way journey um, and um, in women's circle as well uh, that I hold uh, globally and online. Uh, And if anything in this podcast um, today, this episode today has triggered anything deep within you, uh, I really, I recommend that you just um, take some time to ground into your body with some deep breath, breaths, um, maybe just a bit of journaling and just really give yourself some extra support and nourishment today. Um, and this is a wound, uh, wounding and an archetype that you need to unpack very um, slowly. Uh, and, you know, I would recommend doing it with um, a guide or a support or a teacher who's really well, um, he's familiar, familiarized with the death mother energy. Um, and if you feel um, that uh, you're needing a little bit of extra support around this or you'd like a little bit of guidance and I'd recommend that you uh, contact me uh, through my website www.brianymontgomery.com or you uh, directly with an email briny at brianymontgomery.com and I'll get back to you. Thank you so much for listening today. I've really enjoyed unpacking um, this archetype with you and uh, the death mother archetype with you and um I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of the Resource Woman podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Resourced Woman podcast series. You can subscribe to the series at www.brianymontgomery.com to receive episodes and series updates straight into your inbox. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye for now.